Welcome to Church 213. We're so glad you're listening to our sermon series titled Beginnings Matter, where Pastor Ryan will be unpacking the truth of the beginning so our future can be established with purpose. Thanks for listening. In the words of Gomer Pyle, Shazam! I think that's just going to be a glimpse of heaven. You know, there's a lot of people that are going to be surprised by the expressions of worship when they enter into glory because they've been glued to a model of worship like this. I don't know about you, but I want to worship between the Guyanese and the Filipinos because I've seen their worship and it is exciting. If you have your Bibles open to Genesis chapter 1, don't, don't stand yet. We're going to get there in just a moment, but just make a mark. Because that's where we're going to be. That's where we're going to be this morning as we arrive on, uh, on day five of creation. In our series that we're calling Beginnings what? Matter. matter. Beginnings Matter. And we've been working through the days of creation since the new year. <clears throat> because I really believe that as believers, um, it is important, probably more than ever before, that we have some um, reinforcements in this postmodern era of thinking where the idea in the interest of God is becoming less and less, where people are less interested in God, they're less interested in holiness, they're less interested in repentance, they're less interested in morality, they're less interested in absolute truth. That's kind of where we are. Doesn't take, doesn't take me telling you that for you to know that by just looking around. Amen? It's obvious that the more a person places God any place other than first place in any case, the more chaos and confusion that breaks out in that space. Beginnings, what church? Matter. Beginnings matter. If you're a guest with us, uh, welcome to Church 213. You're like, oh man, we, you know, we, we've missed most of the series. We're just going to check out. We don't, there's not anything for us this morning. Wrong. Wrong. Anytime you open the word of life, the bread of life, there's something to chew on. Amen? And so I've designed all these messages to really just stand alone. So don't think for a minute that, that, uh, that there's nothing for you this morning. I think they're binge worthy. So go back, go back, and, and, and if you've missed one, go back and catch it. All the messages are on our website, church213.com. Um, they're on the Book of Faces. They're on Spotify, Apple Music, all the places, okay? Y'all, y'all, y'all with me? If you'll fix supper, I'll come to your house, and I'll preach it in your living room personally. <laughs> That's how bad I want you to get this, because beginnings matter. Beginnings matter, so it's easy to get caught up to, and, uh, and I hope you make it a priority. So let's stand together. Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 20. Genesis 1, beginning in verse 20. The Word of God for the people of God says this. Then God said, he's good at that, isn't he? 
Let the waters swarm with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created large sea creatures and every living creature that moves and swarms in the water according to their kinds. He also created every winged creature according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Verse 22. God blessed them. Be fruitful. Multiply. Fill the waters of the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. Evening came and then morning. The fifth day. The fifth day. We see God still doing his thing. You guys can be seated. The fifth day. See, here's what we see. We see God. And we know from Genesis 1-1, the Hebrew word for God is, is Elohim. We see Elohim continuing to feel what was established on day two. So by day five, Earth's environment, outer space, all those things are created. We, we've, we've been working through that. And from here on out, what we see is God's beginning to, to fill those spaces with living creatures. So what God formed on days one, two, and three, he's beginning to fill on days four, five, and six. And so he's now filling on purpose. By his command for his exclusive glory. I don't want you to forget, Moses wrote this. Moses wrote this to his people, and that's important because good Bible study always begins with who is writing and who was it written to. Context is king. And so to understand why this was being written and, and who was receiving it, completely brings us into their world in order for us to live the truths that were applied to them into our lives so we can live it out in the world that we live in today. Because it's eternal. It still applies. But we have to know what's being applied, church. So let me say this here. The, the role of a pastor is not to be the only one that gives you the meat of the Word of God. I am to teach you how to hunt. Y'all with me? That's a good place to say amen. amen. I want to teach you how to hunt for, the own, for your own meat. Because if, you, if you're just depending on Sunday morning, you know, a uh, little, 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 little sirloin, you're going to starve to death and going to be ineffective in your work for Christ. And so if you're looking for some resources, I'm going to plug PR's resource table out there. There's some things out there that will encourage you and teach you how to dig for the meat yourself. Teach you how to hunt. And so Moses wrote the details on day five to his people. Catch this. That were basically helpless nomad shepherds wandering in the desert. Between Egyptian captivity and the land of promise. They're in this in-between place. Y'all with me? They're free from the death of Pharaoh's grip but they're not home yet. They're not home yet in the land of God's full promise. They're in an in-between place. You feel like you're in an in-between place? You know you're 
You're post-cross, but you're pre-heaven. You're just, you just homesick. While situated in this in-between place, what were they to be? They were to be, catch this, billboards for God. They were to be ambassadors to the nations. I call out people for God's own use and for His glory. We see that in Isaiah 43. How does that apply to us? I'm glad you asked. A lot of us have our eyes toward heaven, but have our feet still in the dirt. We're here. And because we're here, just like these people, just like these people that are wondering, they needed reminding. We need reminding that God wants to bless us in this desert land. So what day five explains to us is the kind of thing God will bless. Let's read the text again. The kind of thing God will bless. So I've titled the message, The Kind of Thing God Will Bless. It says this in verse 20. Then God said, let the water swarm with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. Right? Which he made on day two. So God created large sea creatures and every living creature that moves and swarms in the water, which he separated and created that space on day two. According to their kind, he also created every winged creature according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. In verse 22, God blessed them. God blessed them. For the first time in the days of creation, the Bible says that. And God blessed them. But if you look back in the first 19 verses, God is, is doing some other things. You see, God made, God said, God called, God saw. You read that in the first 19 verses. But here on day five, for the first time, it says God blessed what he created. And God's blessing is a popular topic, isn't it? Everybody wants to talk about God's blessing. There's all these popular sayings. Um, Too blessed to be stressed. I saw a shirt the other day, a guy had on it said, blessings on blessings on blessings on blessings. Blessed beyond measure. Bless this mess. I have said that before. God bless America. But like I said last week, everybody wants the blessings of God. But not everybody is blessable by God. And here's what I mean by that. Proper posture is required for God's blessings to be applied. So what does it mean for God to bless you? Blessings on blessings on blessings on blessings. It's this. Blessings. A blessing is is God's involvement in making our lives fruitful for His purposes. I mean, He personally molds your life beyond your own power and makes you more capable than what previously existed. That's my definition of of blessing. It took me a week to work that out. I kept boiling it down, boiling it down until it's exactly what my heart felt. Personally, He molds our life beyond, beyond my own power and makes me more capable of what previously existed. 
This happens in relationships all the time. If you stand in a long line, and you're looking toward the front, you're toward the back, and someone from the back exchanges places with you and moves you to the front and gives you something that you, that, that you needed but yet did not earn on your own, you say, wow, what a blessing. You see? You see what I'm saying? If, if you're sick and you're unable to cut grass and, and somebody comes by and they apply their resources because of your inadequacies and cut your grass for free, you'll say, what a blessing. I got blessed today. Y'all understand what I'm saying? When God invokes his resources that are unlimited, when God invokes his resources and gets involved in our lives, y'all, that's called grace. It's undeserved divine activity. Goodness gracious, I need God's grace. I need some undeserved divine activity to bless this mess that I am completely capable of making on my own. Amen? And so when we see blessings, we see blessings in the Bible. The word means vitality, creativity, and fulfillment within a created order. Within a created order. Now think about it. God's writing to, to his people in the desert. They're working into an, un, an unorderly, chaotic situation. And Moses is writing this truth to anchor their hearts and to fan the flames of their faith in this in-between place. And so he's, he's bringing their attention to the fact that day five blessings in the Bible, it means that he gives vitality and creativity and fulfillment within a created order. He's basically telling the Israelites, I got this. I know what I'm doing. I can apply. I can apply unmerited favor onto your life. I can give you undeserved divine activity if you'll just Trust me. And if you'll just live for me. See, everything God makes has vitality. It has creativity. It has fulfillment. That's why God can look at the things that he's made and he can say, this is good. Why is it good? Because it's doing exactly what it was created to do. It has, it has vitality. It has creativity. It has fulfillment. But I want you to know this, not everything that seems good is God's blessings. The Bible tells us that rain falls on the just and the unjust and the sun shines on the good and the evil. Sun's out, guns out doesn't necessarily mean you've been blessed. It just means you're missing part of your shirt and the sun's out. So the question is, how do you know? How, how, how do you actually... How do you actually know if we have God's favor? How do we actually know it's God's blessings instead of just being fooled by having the right look or just our own hard work or just simple dumb luck? We, we on our own can create some good things, but that doesn't mean you have God's blessing on your life. And we all want to be blessed, right? 
Blessings on blessings on blessings. God, bless me. We want God's involvement in making our lives productive, productive for His purposes. So the question that I had to ask myself working through this text is, what kind of thing will God bless? And so I've got some handles for you to hang on to to answer that question. First thing is this. What kind of thing does God bless? God blesses things that live according to its kind. God blesses things that live according to its kind. The Bible says that, um, that the waters and the sky were full of stuff. On command. The word is by fiat. Something out of nothing. Ex nihilo is the Greek word. It means something from nothing. Just like that. By his command. Some Bibles, you know, your, your, some of your translations may read um, abound with an abundance of living things. Other translations read, let the waters swarm with swarms of living things. Swarm, I like that one the best. Swarm with swarms of living things. If you've ever gone to, um, to, the, to the aquarium in Atlanta, you can see the swarms of swarms of living things, and that's just in a tank. Imagine the swarms of swarms of living things in the ocean. God makes the waters in the air with this new type of magnificent creation. Anybody who believes that all the different species emerged by evolution from, from a common inorganic sludge have simply rejected the clear meaning of the text. See, the Israelites knew God's goodness. They knew that it, reflect, it was reflected in what He made. They're being reminded of good God Almighty. That's a popular song out there. That's what they're being reminded of. Even the most devout atheist is hard-pressed to deny a type of goodness when they observe how carefully and flawlessly the design of animals are. Can't deny it. You can deny it, but you're just foolish. You can't deny it. If you think about it, some pretty incredible things have been created so far. I'm talking about time, space, matter, uh, atmosphere, land. Last week, the majesty, the, the celestial catwalk of God. We talked about last week, the stars and the moon. What else, what else could God do to top that? I think he just pushed his sleeves up. He's like, you guys haven't seen anything. I'm going to begin to create, and this is it, life. Life. It's life that received his blessing. All the other things he said, it is good. This, he said, be blessed. See, when something non-living is made... It can be labeled good, but not blessed. Because to be blessed, y'all catch this, it, it means a change in greater, like I said earlier, vitality, creativity, and fulfillment. You know, for example, I can say to you as you lead today, hey, you know, be careful. 
See you later. Be blessed. But that cannot be applied to your car. Because your car is just, an, just a thing. It's just inorganic matter. It can be observed. It can be protected. But it can't be blessed by its own power. Stars and land and water and trees and plants are nowhere in the Scripture referred to as living creatures or living things. That designation is for things that basically have a central nervous system. So I can tell you be blessed. I can't tell your chair, have a blessed day. That's what's going on on day five right here. The Hebrew, the Hebrew expression living is, uh, and I think it's on your note, it's, it's nefesh. Nefesh means that which breathes. It's soulish life. That, that's, you know, that, that what, that, that, that's where we get the word soul and spirit. Being alive is more than just having the right materials. The, the bones, the, the organs, you know, the flesh. What it means is this. A soulish life. It's, it's the non-material part of you. It's the consciousness. It's the will. It's reason. It's feelings. I hear sometimes people will come to church and I'm like, I just felt so alive today. I feel alive when I'm in here. What you're saying is exactly what nefesh means. It means the non-material part of you is experiencing vitality and creativity and fulfillment because you are operating according to your kind in the presence of your creator. You, what you're not saying to me is, I feel, I feel my hair growing. I feel, those, I, feel, I feel all those cupcakes that I had this week. It has nothing to do with the physical, you're saying I feel alive. Some people say this, man, if I, could just, if I could just go out in nature, I could breathe and I, could, I, can, I can feel myself come alive. What that's, what that's implying is right here. It's what God has given you on the inside to live according to His kind. And this is a major step. What it does is it makes you more aware of of that which makes you, you. A being. You are a being. You, your, your image is both part. It's the material and the immaterial. It's who you are. And this is a major step in creation. Because what this does is it's further evidence that God exists. Because you cannot create consciousness and will and feelings and reason out of a Petri dish. The vastness and the complexity of the forms of life God created rivals that of the stars. So if you stand outside at night and look up, you're like, wow, God, you're amazing. Then just walk into public and look around or into church and go, wow, God, you're amazing. Life, that is amazing, but this is life. No science lab has been able to develop life. But I'm going to tell you, there's some naturalistic atheists, man, they wish they could. They wish they could because life, st life still argues for a powerful and a serious and a mysterious designer with omnipresence, power, 
and knowledge. You have the fingerprints of life. See, all living things, all living things have, uh, have three built-in features that determine life. Life can provide for itself, find its own food. Life can protect itself. It can, it can heal itself internally. Life can also reproduce according to its exact kind. There is no robot lab. There's no artificial. There's no AI out there that can do that. Believe me, they are trying so fast. But it just can't be done. They can't be explained. The fingerprints of life are all over what God created on day five. If we would slow down and we would actually look at what the science is showing us, we would run to the feet of the cross as evidence of God's goodness. Y'all take the hermit crab. I'm about to switch into science mode just a minute. Y'all take the hermit crab, for example. Look at that little guy. He's like, he's so cute. No, he's not. Let me explain. They have no shell of their own. They would be easy pickings for lunch. They're all squishy. So what they do is they borrow shells from other sea animals. But, but, but a hermit crab will never take the life of anything in order to move in. He's a gentleman. Or a lady. But these crabs... They will move from shell to shell as they grow. And their bodies naturally twist to fit perfectly into the new host shell. And their legs are perfectly designed. So you have the claws in the front. And you have the legs that are right behind the claws that they use for moving. But the other legs in the back are like hooks. They hold on to the shell, which is why you can't pull a hermit crab out. And their bigger right claw... As they grow and as they move from shell to shell, that bigger right claw always is the perfect size to close the top of the shell when they retreat in danger. They can block it like a, like a cover. Kind of like a turtle when it peeks his head and closes his shell. A hermit crab, is, that claw is always the perfect size from when he transitions from shell to shell when trouble's around. But these crabs have, a, have a, a, a special partnership with the sea anemone. I'm telling you. Man, this is evident. Day five is evidence that, that God is good. So a sea anemone, if you know anything about a sea anemone, they have these stinging cells. Get close to them, they sting you, it hurts. But what a sea anemone would do, y'all go to the next one. A sea anemone will attach itself to the crab. And so as the crab moves and grows from shell to shell, guess what that bouncer does? He goes with him. It's a partnership. So when the crab gets big and moves, the sea and enemy's like, all right, Bob, I'm going with you. Where are we going? And see, they work together. The anemones eat the leftovers from the crab's lunch, and the, and, and the, and the anemone adds protection for the crab from predators. They're buds. It's good to have friends in low places, ain't it? Here's the thing. Both this crab and this sea anemone are alive according to their kind. And according to Scripture, 
God blesses them. God blesses them. His hand of favor is involved in their vitality and in their creativity and in their fulfillment. He wasn't trying to be the other. They were both doing their own thing and they were fulfilling their purpose in the specific way, in the specific domain. I don't want you to miss that. They know how to stay in their lane. They know how to submit to the Creator's design and they experience blessing on blessings. On blessings. Here's what I want you to know. If we are going to experience vitality, creativity, and purpose, and fulfillment, we have to properly populate the space for which God has called us to live according to our kind. So the question is, what kind of person are you? What, what kind? What kind of person are you? Do you want to be properly positioned under the Creator? I know you're not living in a shell. I get that. But God placed you someplace on purpose. God's called you to, 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 to have particular skills and abilities on purpose. And whatever that place is that he's placed you on purpose, y'all, it has to be lived out according to his design in order to get his blessings. That's what I don't want you to miss. To rebel against God's order of things is to forfeit the blessings. To rebel against the order of your creator is to forfeit your blessings. So what kind of life will God bless? A life lived according to its Kind, which means a life lived for Christ is, a, is only a life lived in Christ. That is the proper position that God will bless. How you live matters every day. How you live matters. Because if you claim to be a child of God, I'm talking about regenerate by the adoption through Christ, by grace through faith. If you claim to be a Christ follower, He expects you to live according to that kind every single day. Living to please the Lord with all the things is kind of important. Actually, the Bible says that kind of life is blessable. The blessings of God are kindly applied when we live within the boundaries of His design. Man, I hope that hit a heart this morning because it certainly hit mine. The blessings of God. I'm not talking about what you can produce with your own skill, looks, and resources and connections. Just because you know somebody doesn't mean that what you have because of them is, a, is, is God's favor. The blessings of God are kindly applied when we live within the boundaries of His design. See, to be blessed by God, we have to be a blessing to God. We have to give our life back to Him. Here it is, Lord. Take it, shape it, mold it, use it. And He's like, absolutely, I will bless it. See, to feel loved... To, look, to feel loved and holy and usable, we have to seek to be loving and holy and usable. The blessings of God flows to the person whose attention and attitude reflect Christ in their current location. It's, it's not difficult. It's not difficult at all. 
We have to live according to our kind. You can't can't just be kind of married. I'm kind of a dad. I'm kind of a preacher. On Sunday. And sometimes on Wednesday, there's a good crowd. But on Thursday, mm, you know, this doesn't compute. It doesn't make sense, does it? I'm kind of an employee. Like sometimes I work here, mm, sometimes I don't. I work here on Friday. But we translate that into our Christian life often. I, I'm, I'm kind of a Christian when I want to be. That's not the kind of thing that God will bless. Because if you laid claim to Christ, you are that kind. You are a regenerate believer who seeks the righteousness and holiness of God. Let's look at Philippians 2. What Philippians 2 does is it lays out the kind of Christian we are to be. I'd be willing to say that this is some of the most powerful text in the New Testament. This is, this is heart-changing stuff right here. Philippians, Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And I'm going to read all the way to 16. Here, here's, my, here's my conviction. I feel like there's power in the red word of God. So often you'll notice, I like to read long pieces of Scripture because it's possible that this will have power to do something in your life that nothing I say can in a 45, 55, 65, 90-minute message. No, I'm kidding. There's power in the red Word of God. So this is what Philippians 2 says, starting in verse 1. We're talking about, we're talking about God blesses things that live according to its kind. If there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, If any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourself. Everyone should look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Any man that wants to come after me must first deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Why? Because that's what Christ did. Even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name so that the name of Jesus, every knee, will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Willingly in life or unwillingly at death. He is King to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Just reverence and work. 
For it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purposes. That's our church theme verse right there. So do everything without grumbling and arguing. Can I get a witness? So that you may be blameless and pure children of God who are thoughtless in a crooked and perverted generation among whom you shine like the stars in the world. By holding firm to the word of life that I can boast in the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. That's the kind of person that a Christian is to be. If there's an area of your life that's lacking vitality and creativity and fulfillment, there's a pretty good chance something is out of order as a believer. The question is, is the cross of Christ worth enough to you to do something about it? Is it worth enough? Philippians 2, the cross of Christ, is it worth enough to do something about it? Yeah, hey, I get it. It's easy to listen to me. I, I get it. But just because you're here doesn't necessarily translate into God's blessings. It's how you live according to your kind. You going to pick up your shell and move? Second thing this. God blesses the use of proper equipment. We're talking about the things God will bless. We see that on day five. He's going to bless things that live according to its kind. But God also blesses things that use the proper equipment. Be fruitful and multiply. Have dominion. What he's telling them is, I will bless you, and in that, you will use your proper equipment that I've given you to go and live out the life that I have placed inside of you. A great example of this, talk, talking about using proper equipment, is the woodpecker. So we're going to go from, you can go from the hermit crab to the woodpecker. We're talking about using proper equipment. You need to know this about the woodpecker. It has four of the strongest toes in nature that allows it to cling to this tree. And what it'll do is, is it then uses its long, sharp beak to chisel holes in pine trees to live in. One bird might spend up to three years creating a nest. One of the only predators to a woodpecker is a rat snake. A rat snake can climb trees. This is not good for Mr. Woody Woodpecker. Talk about using proper equipment. So guess what the woodpecker will do? He will create a hole at the top of the nest, and he will peck a hole in the bottom of the nest, and he will let the pine sap drip out, creating this sticky protective barrier around that hole. So when that rat snake comes climbing up, Guess what happens to that gooey sap? It gets stuck all in his scales. And down to the ground he falls. You tell me. You tell me. that We don't have a masterful creator. Talk about using proper design. This bird was, was perfectly equipped. Don't, I'm going somewhere with this. Hang with me. Don't think I'm crazy. Okay. This bird is perfectly equipped for the environment that God has put him in. Perfectly equipped. Let me tell you something else. A woodpecker can peck 500 times a minute. That's eight times a second. That is some giddy up right there. That's the same force you would feel if Cliff Roberts ran full blast into a tree. 
500 times a minute. Try that, big boy. But the woodpecker's head is constructed with a built-in built in shock absorption system that keeps him from bashing his brains out. And did you know that like most birds, they can navigate long distances just by the position of the stars? Even birds that are raised inside, catch this, hatched and raised inside, can orient themselves quickly to the stars at night and they know exactly where to, bird, where to fly. Smart bird people have proven this. What they've done is they've, they've built artificial starry nights in planetariums and they've released the birds inside and those birds know exactly what direction to fly. And because some of those scientists are kind of twisted, they will digitally move the stars around to see what happens to the birds. Like They'll put the north star in the planetarium over to the east and the birds freak out. They have no idea where they are. You tell me that day five doesn't explain the goodness of God. So what we see in day five, we see the kind of thing God will bless. When, when properly equipped, now catch this, when properly equipped with the things of God, we know which way to go. Because we're led by the Spirit. We're led by that, what, by that inner component that wellspring, that consciousness, the, the reason, the morality, the feelings, the emotion that is controlled when, when God gave us life, nefesh, when, we, when, when the material part got the immaterial part and we became a being. See, as humans, we don't have the proper equipment to live in the ocean. We don't have the proper equipment to live in the sky. We're, we're, we, are, we can't navigate those things because they're foreign environments. This is where I'm going. It's not our home. But we can enjoy those things, can't we? We can go up high, we can go down low. But we have to put something on that we don't have naturally if we're going to enjoy those places. We have, to, we have to put on a tank. We have to put on, we have to buy some some some. Uh, some uh, Oh, what did, what did that teenager call it? We went to camp. Snorkelers. We've got to get that snorkel and the goggles to experience something that's not our environment. We have to go into a plane to experience it. We'll have to put on all those things because we're limited in our humanity. And as a godly man, as a godly woman, as a husband, a daddy, and a Christian, y'all, I have to have something to help me operate in an environment that is no longer my natural habitat. Amen? Where does that stuff come from? What I have to do is I have to strap on something of divine nature as a citizen of heaven if I am going to survive Newton County. If I'm going to roll through 278 in the afternoons, I need to be connected to something that is not my home to keep me under control. To live according to the kind of person that Christ is making me to be with the proper equipment. I'm going to have to have some help. I'm going to have to have something to help me operate in an environment that I can no longer be healthy, creative, fulfilled, and, and have vitality on my own.
because this is not my home. I'm in an in-between place. Colossians 3 tells us this. Let's turn there together if you have your copy of the scriptures. It's on the screen, but just something about the sound of the pages of the Bible that I like. Colossians 3. Don't put it up there yet because some people are cheating. Colossians 3. What this text does, it shows us what we need to put on to help us operate in an environment that is no longer our natural habitat. Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 1, says this. So if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is. Seek, you see that? Seek the things above. You need to intentionally Put on some things if you're going to operate with efficiency in a habitat that's not your own. If you're going to do some deep sea diving, you better seek some air tank. If you're going to fly somewhere, you better seek an airplane seat. So if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is seated. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. For you died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Glory! Therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature. If you're a believer, you are no longer a citizen of this culture. Therefore, put to death what belongs in your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient. For you once walked in these things when you were living in them. But now, to God be the glory, amen, but now, put away all the following, wrath, Anger, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. You strapped on the things of God every day. You are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of Christ. In verse 12, Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, Gentleness, humility, kindness, and patience. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, you are also to forgive. Above all, that's a lot of stuff. He's like, well, above all that, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful that the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another through psalms hymns and spiritual songs singing to God with gratitude in your heart 
My translation, come to church and get your worship on often. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. This is what you are to put on. This is not our home. We have to put on the things of God every day before we leave the house or we are in some serious trouble. Amen. You better strap him on before you leave the house because we cannot operate down here without first being equipped from up there. So what kind of things will God bless? That's the question we're answering. Here's what he'll bless. He will bless things that live according to its kind. What kind of person are you? He will bless things that use proper equipment. What are you putting on every day to help you operate in an environment that you lay claim is not your own? See, if you don't strap on the things of God every day, you will feel like you are suffocating. You'll feel, you'll feel lonely. You'll, you'll, feel, you'll feel anxious. You will feel like you are out of place. You see what I'm saying? Because you are. There's a third thing. God blesses things that find their sufficiency in Him. God blesses things that find their sufficiency in Him. We've got two little dogs at the house. We've got We've got a box, a white boxer. Her name is Josie. And then we have this little bitty dog named Gracie Bell. Now, Josie, if you let her out at night to feed her, she'll run around. Gracie Bell, she runs off. And what you need to know is in order for her to get what she needs at night as far as food, she's got to come back. She's got to return to the source if she's going to have her needs met. Her, the sufficiency to receive is only found if she's in the proximity of Emma Grace when she's feeding her at night. Isn't it? And so we go out and we fix this bowl and we leave her out. And here comes Josie and Josie's running around. Where is Grace Bell? She has run off. She has no longer found her sufficiency in what happens every single night. So what do we do? We just patiently wait because we know that eventually she's going to remember, oh, I'm hungry and I'm going to turn and I'm going I'm to come back and I'm going to find the sufficiency in this particular place. I want, I want you to know this. As a Christ follower... Our home was with Christ, apart from the order of this current life. This is not our home. This is not the promised land. But until we get there, y'all catch this, until we get there, if you're a Christian, you should feel out of place. That's just the reality of things. We should feel like we don't fit into the culture because the world is not our kind. The Bible tells me that anyone who claims Christ is to come out from among them and be what? Is anybody another separate? Come out from among them. I'm calling you. It's the ecclesia. 
It's the, it's the called out assembly. It's, it's, it's the ones that have, are chosen to be in a relationship with God through the sufficiency of the cross. And now we are His. And we find our sufficiency in Him. That's going to make us feel really out of place when we go out of this place. If it feels awkward in here, but feels comfortable out there, that's a dangerous sign. What happens when you don't feel like you belong somewhere? I, I can't stand to feel like that. I feel lonely. I feel like everybody's looking at me. Like, what is he doing here? I feel awkward. There's, there's difficulty getting comfortable. Those are signs you ain't from around here. My dad, I told you, he owned a grocery store for years, and, and I worked night shift. And I knew the regulars. But every now and then, late at night, there would be somebody that would, that would pull in, and I instantly thought to myself, they ain't from around here. What gave it away? They, they looked scared. They looked lonely. They looked anxious. They, they knew they were out of place, and they couldn't fake it. And here's some hard truth. Y'all ready for it? You willingly came over here for this. Here's some hard truth, church, because I love you. If you don't feel out of place in this world, if, if, if you feel accepted, if you feel like you fit in just fine in public, if everything you have to feel alive and happy and creative and fulfilled is found outside of the Lord, if sin is comfortable and easily justifiable, if there is no hunger and thirst for righteousness for the cross and for the church that he died for, I am worried about your salvation. I am worried about when you stand and give an account in front of your creator. Why would God give you heaven at death when you were uninterested in it while you were here on earth? I refuse to stand at a funeral and preach somebody into heaven and say they are now at rest when they were completely uninterested in seeking rest of the presence of God when they actually had life. See, the world is using a different type of equipment to feel alive. The world, the culture is using a different type of equipment to feel happy and vibrant and creative and fulfilled. But I'm here to tell you, that stuff won't last it's temporary. It's a bait and switch. And praise God. Jesus has come, not to turn the world upside down, but to turn the world right side up. To reestablish what life really is and how to have life to the full. I want to read Matthew 19, 16 through 22, as, as we kind of close this morning. What are some things God will bless? Well, he's going to bless things that live according to his kind. He's going to bless things that have the proper use of equipment. And he's going to bless things that find their sufficiency in him. This is a popular text. So this is, this is Matthew 19. And here's the context. Jesus is with his disciples. He's teaching them what it means to really be a follower. He's talking about how to have a proper use. He's talking about what God will actually honor and bless and how that translates into heaven. And this rich man walks up. He's trying to pin Jesus into a corner. What he's trying to do is get Jesus to pat himself on the back. He already feels pretty good about himself, 
but he's trying to get the good teacher to say, you are, man, good job. Yes. But Jesus isn't interested. And so Jesus answers his question with a question, and he backs him into a corner so that he has two options. He can accept, he can deny. He can follow, or he can walk away. He can accept, or he can deny. He can follow, or he can walk away. You know what? Those are really the only two options we are given in life. We can accept, we can follow, or we can reject, and we can walk away. But I'm here to tell you, the Bible says that narrow is the path, but that path leads to life. But few will follow it. Wide is the path that leads to destruction. Many will go through it. But here's the thing. Think about that path. It's very narrow, but at death it gets really wide for the glory of God. Versus a path on this side of heaven that's really wide, but at death it gets really narrow. And so that's what's going on. So just then someone came up and asked him, Teacher, what good must I do to have eternal life? Jesus says, why do you ask me about what is good? See, he knows that only God is good. So he wants to know, do you think I'm God? And he said to him, there's only one who is good. If you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. And the guy's like, which ones? He knows he's, he's, he's kept. He, so he wants to make sure that he's got all his bases covered. He's just looking to check the box. So he said, which ones? He asked him. Jesus answered, do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. And watch this. He says, I've kept all these things, the young man told him. What do I still lack? He's patting himself on the back. He's like, okay, what else? Because I've done all those things. Come on, teacher, give me some more stuff. I've done those things too. And Jesus says, if you want to be perfect, if you want to have salvation, Jesus said to him, go and sell your belongings and give to the poor. And you will have treasures in heaven. Then come and follow me. And when the young man heard that, he went away grieving because he had many possessions. This is not about having stuff. This is about stuff having you. See, he didn't have his self-sufficiency rooted in Christ. He didn't really want to follow. He just wanted to feel good about himself as he did his own things on his own Merit. Because this man had been productive and reproductive on his own. But catch this, he wasn't blessed. Just because you have stuff. Just because you have degrees. Just because you can make ends meet. Does not mean you've experienced God's hand of blessing. We need more than a relationship what this man needed, he needed more than a relationship with God to have peace. Christ pulled the peace rug right out from under him. What this man needed was rules and riches. That's all he thought he needed. And just because we've acquired possessions and comfort in this world, doesn't mean God has blessed us. What that means is we've, we've learned how to be self-sufficient without the proper heavenly equipment. And so my challenge this morning is this. True blessing comes when there is a surrender and a turn and a repositioning to the things of God. 
That's how someone who doesn't have stuff can still have peace. That's the beauty of the gospel. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Blessings come. Catch this. I'm done with this statement. Blessings come when you crave communion with the Father. That's the type of thing that God will look and be actively involved in. Blessings on blessings on blessings. So my challenge to you this morning is, what kind of person are you? Are you an unbeliever? If you're an unbeliever, don't leave here an unbeliever today. You have heard the gospel. You were, that is the kind of person you were created to be. The kind of person that follows Christ. No holes barred. I'm not talking about commitment. I'm talking about surrender to Him. And experiencing eternal life. To live it out. So what kind of person are you? Are you using the proper equipment? What are you putting on? What, 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 is, what is in your life every day that you get up and you put on in order to go out and, and do what you think God has called you to do in that specific area? What are you putting on? I beg you guys, put on the things of God. Because this is not our home. Without strapping on the things of God and growing in your faith and hunting your own meat every day, you're not going to be creative. You're not going to be have vitality, and you're going to just feel un. You're going to feel unfulfilled in this place that's not your home. And the third thing is this: self-sufficiency. Is there anything in your life? that you feel like you're trying to control. But in all actuality, it is controlling you. And it's choking the life out of you. What do you need to break? What do you need to break free? Why are you running around? Why are you running off? Come to the feet of Jesus and find life. Let's stand together, church. Are you blessable? We all want blessings on blessings on blessings. Too blessed to be stressed. God bless America. Bless this mess. But have you positioned yourself in order to receive those things that God has promised? Just because you think you've got it together doesn't mean that God is Blessing you. The blessings of God come when there's a surrender and repentance first. And if it's real, you'll live it out. And if it's not, now's a perfect time to reflect and make the adjustment. Let's, let's pray. God, there is absolutely nothing in my words, study, preparation, Lord knows delivery. That can change a heart. Lord, that is exclusively a work of your spirit. God, your word is magnificent. Your word is powerful. God, your word can do in us what nothing else in this world can do.
Because it provides a source of creativity and fulfillment and purpose and realignment and peace that passes anything that this world can apply to our lives. And so God, I pray this morning that someone would be set free from something that you have laid on their heart. Lord, if it's salvation, God, I pray that they would have the courage to step out and to come forward this morning. Lord, with sweaty palms and an elevated heart rate. God, knowing that they are stepping out completely on faith to surrender their lives once and for all to the Lordship of your Son who you sent to be a, to be a perfect sacrifice, Lord, for us to thwart the wrath that is to come in judgment. God, I thank you, Lord, that your blood washes as white as snow. So God, if there's an unbeliever that needs to move from death to life this morning, God, I pray that you would so convict them, you would put a fire in their bones, Lord, that they cannot remain seated, but they would have to move and make it known. God, if there's a, if there's a person here this morning that needs a realignment, God, they're not using their equipment properly. They're, they are strapping on the wrong things. They are going to the wrong places. And they are running into the wrong direction. God, I pray this morning that you would grip their heart and pull them back to the cross. God, for someone in here that has stepped out and is finding their worth and self-sufficiency, God, I pray that they would lay that self-sufficiency down and they would just rest in the kind of person that they are in you. God, for that person here that's a Christian, just doesn't feel that you have washed over them with that truth. God, I pray you would work some things out in their life for your good purposes this morning. God, I pray that we would celebrate you in spirit and in truth. And God, the spirit would move in our midst. God, shake us up, Lord, so we could go out and we can live it out. God, shake us up this morning. God, shake us up. That we may never be the same as we live life in this in-between place that is not our home. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's celebrate this morning, church. Let the, let the Spirit of God rule and reign in your heart. If He's calling you to make a move, make a move. What are you going to do with Jesus? Do you love Him enough to put that love and belief into action? And if you don't love Him enough to, to move into action, that's a good place to start asking yourself what kind of relationship with Christ will have.